Hi, it's Jin Lally here again. You're looking fantastic, by the way. You're doing really, really well. And what's been good about your week too? That's the introduction to every session. So I'll try and find a comment as well in our, what we call inconsequential language, the chit chat at the beginning. We're going to try and keep that positive. We're going to maybe talk about the weather, the lighter evenings right now. Like it was getting a little bit lighter. It's lovely. You're looking well. Doesn't a week go by quickly? Hasn't it been fun? And then straight in with that question, what's been good? Not how are you? And you know, it's, it's so hard not to say that. So I, even now, after years of you know, asking what's been good. And I was just recording this podcast. I've had to start this again three times already because I started with, so how have you been? And I was like, no, that's not actually what I want to say. I want to say what's been good because how are you is very open ended and you can come from either part of your brain, but I want you to keep it positive, keep it in the intelligent brain and you don't have to keep it positive, keep it neutral at least. So studies have shown even having a, a neutral thought is better than having a negative thought. So at least get out of that, that negative part of the brain. So yeah, what's been good? What's made you smile this week? What's made you laugh? What have you noticed that you thought, oh, that's lovely? Have you had some nice food? Have you had some nice time? Have you watched anything good on TV? That's always a good one. Read, read any good books? What's been good? about your week. Just filter it for me for a few minutes. What's been good about your week? Because today I just wanted to go back to basics, really. I think it's been a little while since, you know, we've gone over what I call our initial consultation diagram. Uh, But what that means is our brain basics. Uh, Back down to what we started off. I talk about these words, words all the time, the stress bucket, the intelligent brain, the primitive brain, the catastrophizing, but where does it all come from? And even over the years, and definitely since I've started recording this episode, the way I explain things changes. I find a little bit more information here or I hear one of my colleagues describe it a slightly different way. And I think, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to pinch a bit of that. So the way I describe it off constantly changes. So I thought if we go back to basics today, this might sound different when we've done it absolutely in episode one. And now it might sound a little bit different to you, but it's always worth going over. And in fact, I go over this explanation of brain function in every single session with clients because repetition is the mother of skill. But also when you are anxious or stressed or depressed, that's a lot of information and it doesn't all go in the first time. Different things and different parts of this explanation resonate at different times. So what we're doing here is looking at what resonates with you now, maybe something different. So you could go back and listen to episode one again, then listen to this one again, and you can repeat it a few times and you'll find different things come out at different times. So once a week, we will definitely go over this part of our, this, this is an essential part of our session. And we will always go over this brain explanation, the brain basics, as I call them. So straight into it, let's talk about the brain. Let's talk about the part of the brain you're using now to engage in this podcast, that you found this podcast and got it on your phone. This is the bit you know as you. This is the conscious part and it's attached to all your intelligent resource. So I call this part of your brain the intelligent brain. And like I said, this is the bit you know as you. So nice and conscious. 
this is your part of your the part of your brain that looks at a situation makes an assessment of it and generally comes up with a right answer so it tends to be quite positive um, by positive, I don't just mean happy and, and cheerful and, and joyous. I mean very objective, very rational. Remember, it's attached to all your intelligent resource, so it can really find solutions for things. It can get creative about those solutions. It can be very realistic about everything that's going on at the moment, and it can find ways to cope and manage really well. But there's another part of your brain. This is the original primitive part of your brain. And this is the fight or flight response. You've probably heard of that, the fight or flight response. So these two parts of the brain, how do they work together? Well, let's say you looked up now, you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are, you're in your car or you're walking along the street and a polar bear jumps out at you. I'm not talking about a cuddly polar bear here. I'm talking about a really vicious, angry, hungry polar bear. What would happen? Well, you would lose intelligent brain control. Your stress levels would go through the roof. You'd lose that intelligent brain control. You'd go straight over into your primitive brain where your heart would start racing. Your guts would start churning. You'd lose breath. You'd be sweating like anything. You'd be off like a shot. Yeah. And that's a great survival response if you saw a polar bear. But it's much the same in life as our stress levels go up and they can go up gradually. They hit a point where the primitive brain steps in to take over. It senses that there's so much danger ahead, it's going to step in to take over and it takes over and it is pre-programmed with three opt-out clauses. All of us have these three opt-out clauses. They are depression, anxiety and anger or a combination of all three. So if your mind as a whole thinks that there is some sort of crisis ahead, the primitive brain jumps in to take over and it goes into one of its opt-out clauses, depression, anxiety or anger, or a combination of all three. Now let's look at these three responses separately. Let's look at depression first. Now, remember, I've, the reason I call the primitive brain the primitive brain is because it's the very original part of our brain from evolution, from our caveman days. So the caveman had this part of the brain. So when the caveman looked out of the cave one day and saw everything was snowed under, they would have thought, well, I can't go out hunting and gathering today. So I'm going to go back into my cave and pull the rug over my head and wait until this situation passes. And that's a brilliant survival response if we were cave people, but we don't live like that anymore. And all we've done is we've now taken that response and we've transferred it into the modern day symptoms that we call depression. Let's look at anxiety. When the caveman was out in the wild, always under threat from another tribe or another animal, you know, the danger was on the horizon. There's a polar bear coming at you at any time. There were wild times to live in. And so the caveman was probably not far off the panic button all the time, had to be alert. And today we know we don't live like that anymore, but we've taken that response. So we've now transferred it into the modern day symptoms of anxiety. And anger is just a primitive response to fear. 
when the caveman was under threat from another tribe or another animal, what did they do? They screamed and shouted and grinned and bared their teeth and flailed their arms about so they made themselves look bigger so they could scare that thing away, whatever it was, scare that a crazy animal away or that uh, the other tribe that was threatening them. And today now we call that anger, anger management issues. So can you see those three responses perfect for the caveman? not so good in modern day times, because that's that primitive part of our brain. But we've now got this whole intelligent resource that knows that we don't live like that anymore, but we can still revert to primitive brain quite easily because we feel under threat or we feel that we are in danger. And if you look at depression, anxiety and anger a little bit more closely, they're actually the fight and flight and freeze responses. Anger is fight, anxiety is flight, and depression is freeze, fight or flight or freeze, right? Now, a little bit more about the primitive brain. Remember, I said the intelligent brain is positive. Well, the primitive brain is the opposite. It's negative. And if you think about it, it has to be. If you saw that polar bear, you're not going to think, oh, hang on a minute. This might be the world's first vegetarian polar bear and it won't eat me. I might be all right here. I might have a fighting chance. You're going to think, no, I'm going to die. You have to think that in order to create the response of running away, for example, don't you? You have to catastrophize and you have to do it quickly. And again, in modern day times, that's what we do. We catastrophize. If our stress levels go up for sometimes even the smallest thing, it can trigger that primitive brain response to start catastrophizing. The primitive brain is also obsessional. If you saw that polar bear and if it was creeping around, you wouldn't take your eyes off it, would you? Is it there or is it gone? Is it still there? Is it gone? Is it still there? To the extent of ignoring everything else, you would keep a check on that polar bear because that's the survival response. And it's much the same in life now. We've taken that into modern day times by checking other things. So checking our phone unnecessarily all the time, checking the news all the time, checking locks and switches. This is where OCDs develop, obsessive compulsive disorders, this obsessional response. The primitive brain is also vigilant. If there was one polar bear, you'd keep an a really alert for more polar bears. There might be another one around the corner, another one up the road. Keep alert, keep vigilant. And again, we do this in life. We're on alert for the next problem always. We're expecting the next problem. We can be hyper vigilant. We just, that's that real high level of anxiety where you're just always looking out for the next problem. And lastly, the primitive brain is not creative. It's not innovative. Because it's not an intellectual resource, it can't think of a new way of doing things. If yesterday you saw the polar bear and ran in one direction and you survived and that worked, you'll program yourself to say, right, that works. And that's all you will do. So if today you saw a polar bear again, you'll do exactly the same thing you would get a very fixed mindset that that's what works, that's what works. 
you won't get creative to think about new ways of escaping the polar bear, new solutions. You just say, right, I'm just going to do what I always do. And in modern day times, that might be something like having too much to eat, having too much to drink, panicking, just doing the same old thing every time. Really bad old habits that are hard to break. The primitive brain is just fixed. So it begs the question now, if we don't live like cave people anymore, what makes us go into the primitive brain? Well, I strongly believe that it's not the events in our life that make us go into the primitive brain because everybody has those events. Everyone's had a bereavement, financial stress, work stress, family stress. Everyone has stress. So it's not the actual events that occur in our life but our thoughts around those events are negative thoughts. And we can think negatively in two main ways. We can think negatively about the past and we can negatively forecast the future. It's really important to remember here that when we negatively forecast the future, especially, but even in the past, our mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. If you keep going over your past events, your mind thinks it's really happened. If you keep predicting future events, your mind thinks that was already happened as well. So all those negative thoughts, whether they're real, whether they're imagined, you know, they're all going into the stress bucket. All those negative thoughts accumulate and collect into a stress bucket. Now, the stress bucket is a metaphor for part of your brain, but we're just going to call it a bucket for now. We all have a bucket And all our negative thoughts go in there. All those what ifs and maybes. That's what goes in the stress bucket. Not the actual events. Our negative thoughts go in the stress bucket. But you'll be glad to know that there's a process of emptying this bucket. And it's in your sleep. It's in part of your sleep called REM sleep. Rapid eye movement sleep. R-E-M sleep. And you know how this works. When we put something into our bucket, let's use an example. Let's say someone said something horrible to you one day. Now, that event itself does not go into the bucket. But if you keep thinking about it, that's going to go in the bucket. It keeps going in because you keep thinking about it. I bet you think about it 20 times. You keep going over it in your mind. Oh, that was awful. Why did she keep saying that? Why did they keep saying that? It was awful. It's gone in your bucket 20 times. Now, when you go to bed at night, you, you go over that event again in your dreams. That's what REM sleep is. When you're dreaming, you process that event again. And what you're actually doing is you're taking that thought out of your bucket and you're shifting it into the intelligent brain. You're turning that memory into an emotional memory that was in your stress bucket. And you're turning it into a very objective and narrative memory in your intelligent brain. So that when you wake up in the morning, you might have forgotten about it completely. If not, you'll at least be saying, oh, why do I let these people bother me? Yeah, that was a horrible thing she said. So what? You know, we take that emotional sting out of it. And that's why we sometimes say, you know, things look better in the morning. So that negative thought has been processed in our REM sleep. So it would be lovely to wake up every morning with an absolutely empty stress bucket, because if you've got an empty stress bucket, you feel like that, you know, you're, you're in the intelligent brain more, you're motivated, you're rational and you're objective. 
But that's not always the case, is it? And if you're listening to those podcasts, maybe you don't feel like that. And there's two main reasons why. The first reason is maybe you've been piling too much into your bucket. This can happen over days, months, years even. Remember, negative thoughts go in the bucket, not the actual events, negative thoughts. So all those thoughts build up and accumulate. Sometimes that bucket can even overflow. That's crisis point. We've got an overflowing bucket here. And the other reason is because I know what you're thinking. Well, Jin, if I do a whole load of REM sleep in one go, I can empty that bucket. If only it was that easy. (laughs) REM sleep at night should only be about 20% of your sleep. You need deep sleep as well. So you can only do a limited amount of REM sleep every night. If you've got too much in your bucket, what you start doing is you start doing your REM sleep, which is great, not a problem. But when you hit the 20% mark of REM, your brain says, look, stop now. And actually, at that point, the bucket should be empty, but it's not, is it? Because you've got too much in there. And the, But the brain says, look, I want to swap over to deep sleep. So what it does instead is it's very clever. It wakes you up. This is when it wakes you up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning, wide awake, and you can't get back to sleep again. And now you're in a vicious circle because... The more you've got in your bucket, the more you're encouraged to stay in your primitive brain, putting more negative thoughts back into your bucket. Basically, the more you've got in your bucket is fuel for the primitive brain. My job now is to empty stress buckets. And you can help yourself by doing that as well, by limiting what goes into the bucket in the first place and by getting good sleep as well. I help my clients empty their bucket completely and teach them how to keep it empty for life as well. It's really important that I teach you these skills so that you can manage your own stress bucket. You don't need to be in therapy for years to do that. Once you learn the key to keeping your stress bucket empty, which is a, um, you can do that in, in a multitude of ways. It really is very powerful because you're going to stop fueling the primitive brain and you are going to be more present in your intelligent, objective, rational brain where you will be in control of your thoughts and feelings and meeting the challenges that that come along in life. Now, I just want to say one little thing regarding that REM sleep at 20%. So the example I use, the the first reason I gave you when we've got too much in our bucket and we hit the 20% REM sleep mark at night and we wake up, that is the majority of people. However, some people can push through that 20% barrier and stay asleep and continue to empty their stress bucket all night until it's empty. And that sounds brilliant. However, These people feel then that when they wake up in the morning, although they have slept, they have done so much REM sleep, which is exhausting. And they've not had enough deep sleep that they wake up in the morning feeling like they've slept maybe eight or nine hours even. But they're absolutely exhausted. This might be you. 
you know, you can push through that barrier. Some people can. It's a very small percentage, but some people can push through that barrier and they stay asleep. Most people, and I'll say I'm one of those, if I've got too much in my stress bucket, I wake up in the middle of the night, something's woken me up. And I know it's just my stress bucket. But some people can push through as well. So that's not good either. It's again, it's a sign of an overflowing stress bucket because then you're exhausted the next day when you wake up feeling negative and straight away you're going to start putting more negative things back in your bucket and the cycle begins again. So either way, piling too much into your stress bucket is not good. Remembering that sleep can only be limited at 20% every night and that's all you can do. You know, this is where sometimes you need an intervention. And this is where I come in and help with my stress bucket solutions. So that's what I'm trying to teach in this podcast series. This is how I help clients. This is what we do. So I hope today that has helped you understand and and go back to those brain basics. I thought it was really important to go back to brain basics Uh, right now because I know the way I have described things has changed as well because like I said I've picked up a few things here and there I've developed it a little bit more I've tried to make it a little bit more interesting as well and so I hope that helps today and this episode is worth going over a few times and even comparing it well not comparing it so much but listening to episode one brain basics as well because it's just a different way of describing things. And there is something there. each time you listen to it, you might pick up something different. You'll be able to concentrate on a different part. Like I said, I go over this part of this diagram that I've got. In, I'm saying this diagram, I've got it here in front of me. Um, I go over brain basics in every single session because it's that repetition that really helps things go in. There's a lot of information here in this 20 minutes that you've been listening to this podcast is a lot of information. So you might find it valuable to go over it a few times, not straight away, you know, after a few weeks, go over it again. In a few weeks time, go over it again, because it'll be something else that resonates with you and something else that will just click. Understanding brain basics on an intellectual level is great. But I need you to understand it on an emotional level as well. So understand the emotion behind this and where it's coming from. And what what parts of this can you feel is talking to you personally? You don't need to understand all of it. Understand the bits that stand out to you and say, right, yeah, that's me. Those characteristics of the primitive brain, what stands out to you personally? So like I said, I hope this helps. I really actually really enjoyed going over all of that again. And uh, there's a few other basics as well that I think I might go over over the next few episodes as well. Hope that's helped. Uh, If you've been reading my book, I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've been listening to my book, I hope you've been enjoying listening to my book as well. Please remember I'm on all social medias. Well, not all. I'm on LinkedIn, which I love. That's probably my favorite. I'm on Facebook as well, where I've got a private Facebook group called How to Empty Your Stress Bucket. Come along to that if you like. I've also I'm also on Twitter and uh, this podcast, obviously, as well. Don't forget to check out my website, though. Everything's there, although I think it needs a bit of an update now. I don't think my personality comes across much in that anymore, so I'll give that an update soon. And uh, there's a blog on there as well, so lots if you like to read uh, blogs and information, it's all on there as well. The process of how I do solution focus work, getting in touch with me, all my contact details are on there. What my 10 week program involves is all on there as well. 
But like I said, get in touch with me if you've got any questions, if you've got any ideas for future podcast episodes as well. I'm always happy to take on ideas for those. But until next time, sleep well, keep that stress bucket empty. And until next time, when we'll talk about some more stress bucket solutions, take care. Bye for now. 